It's Monday, February the 14th, and we're talking about apples, Valentine's Day plans, and a champagne brunch. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Welcome to Eat It Virginia, your number one podcast source for food news, interviews with the people who make Virginia restaurants oh so great. Follow us on social media at Eat It Virginia and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise and I am joined as always by my friend, my friend Roby Martin. Roby on today's show, Courtney Maley, the owner of Blue Bee Cider right here in Richmond. Yes, Scott, the cool thing, well, there's many cool things about Courtney and Blue Bee, but... You know our friend Stephanie Gans? I love Stephanie Gans. Yes, she wrote an article in Richmond Magazine. Well, really, she interviewed Diane Flint, who is essentially the first cider maker, I believe, um, like women cider maker in Virginia. I think she, let's just say that she sold her first cider in 2004. And when asked about what cider, because she doesn't make cider anymore. Diane Flint only sells apples now. Foggy Ridge Cider. So when asked in the article about who you should be chatting with about cider right now in the entire United States, because the CiderCon was here, right? She said that people do not realize how aggressive Courtney Maley is about getting good apples to cideries that need them and growing heirloom apples in Virginia. Is that when the light bulb in your in your head went off and said, let's get Courtney on the podcast or had that already been booked? So no, we'd already done the podcast. Um, and I, I don't actually know when this article came out, but I read it yesterday. It's online if you want to read it. Richmond Mag, Stephanie Gans, you can find it. Um, it's an incredible, incredible read with Diane Flint talking about how there's some historical fallacies with respect to apple growing in Virginia and, you know, the whitewashed Thomas Jefferson cruddy history of apples, which we never talk about. And then where actually some of the heirloom apples came from. It's real cool. I'm looking forward to reading that. And I'm so excited for our listeners to hear our interview with Courtney. One little note for our listeners. Uh, one of the, some of the feedback we get sometimes on our podcast is about the audio quality of said podcast. It's a hundred percent. Well, no, 99%. And the other percent is we don't talk about food enough. And I want to just, as a disclaimer, there was a couple of factors coming into this interview with Courtney. A, she was in a barn. So the audio is a little bit echoey. B, there was somebody. Uh, you know, actually, she, we, she was in a barn, but she was in the old police barn where the blueberry blueberry cider is. Let's just clarify that she's just not chilling in a barn. I was not aware of which barn she was in, but B, Speaking of, of barnyard animals, there was something or maybe someone eating a meal mere feet from my co-host, Roby Martin, when she was trying to record her portion of the podcast. What was up with that, Roby? It's definitely an animal. I mean, I realize we're not like professional grade podcast here, but come on. Can we get some privacy when we record this thing? No. Uh, can we get somebody to cook his own meals? Then perhaps so. I mean, I don't really know. So that's what we're going to go with there. Maybe we should enable humans other than me to cook meals in my household. This, so that's, that's where we're going. This uh, segues nicely into Valentine's Day, I think. <laughs> yeah, this is an excellent segue. As we talk I'm about so the so people <laughs> in our lives uh, who mean the most to us. Are you taking your mom out? I took my mom out already. I took Wait, her out. Where did you guys go? I took her out on Saturday. We beat the, uh, the maddening crowd and the, the bad weather. We went to Mainline Brewery. How was that? So fun. We Good. got there super early. In fact, it was- And I'm got a sure. Cirrus cocktail? We did. That was the first thing we did. <laughs> my mom, like, so my mom is- Awesome. She's been in Richmond since the early 70s. I mean, she's, she's, she's seen it all. I mean, she's, she's been here for a long time. She was so blown away by what Richmond has been. I mean, she hasn't been out of, she hasn't gone out much in the last few years. She was kind of just blown away about what Richmond has, has become you know, downtown Richmond, that's not really downtown Richmond, but you know what I mean? Like the city of Richmond. Yeah, it's actually a good view of what Richmond has become mainline is and all sorts of levels. We got uh, barbecue nachos and uh, some sort of dip. Oh, buffalo chicken dip. It was great. Um, a few beers. And then by the time we left, the place was packed. So, and Hardywood was packed down the street. So it was, it was good. And we drove, I drove her through Scott's Edition proper. 
everything was packed. So she was kind of blown away by it all. What are your Valentine's Day plans? So as you know, Scott, um, we typically have a party as you have been a part of it. We have Gaster Love, who I love. I love Gaster Love. That should be a bumper sticker. Um, come and do a small party with very close friends for Valentine's Day. But as the panda times have occurred, we've stopped doing that. We're going to get back into it next year. In some weird alternate universe, Ryan made reservations for dinner. Oh, wow. I know. I swear you need to play the lottery or we've hit the matrix or I don't know. Isn't Do they make anvils anymore? Because I feel like the anvil is just going to drop on me. Actually, where does one find an anvil now? And continue. I think Acme sells them. <laughs> are you gonna, are you are you going to disclose the location of said reservations? I, I, I before you do that, this podcast is dropping in the morning, so it is possible that you will disclose the location of this reservation, and someone will be there and possibly spy on you. Yeah, well, the only thing they'll say is what happened to me in the dressing room is, is that Roby? Do you know Scott? Is he single? That's oh, Lord. No, there's no dressing rooms at Eurasia, which is where we're going. It's a little restaurant in, actually, it's a restaurant that is probably one of Ryan's favorites okay. in Virginia Beach. Very self-serving of the other half of mine, but sounds like when they're having a price fixed dinner. Uh-huh. Yeah. We can walk because we're here in Virginia Beach right now. And so, yeah, we'll go do that, drink a little wine, stare at our phones. The most romantic of dinners. Just like every other night. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. So what are you doing, Scott? You know, uh, I was waiting for that invitation to come for your Valentine's Day party, but I guess I was I was waiting for someone to cancel so I could get the invite, but it's not happening. So I, I guess I'm going to be at home, I guess. Lies. Follow-up question. And you know that your nose will grow if you lie to me. So you have to answer these questions truthfully. Sure. Will you actually be at home? Yes. Will you be alone? Yes. There will be no children? Not this week. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. This is no fun. Shall I send you something? Uh, what are you going to send me? I don't know. A snack of some description? I love snacks. I know you do. My daughter's birthday is this coming week, though. Speaking of children uh, and snacks. Really? It is. Actually, before we get to that, during the pandemic, I kind of went concert ticket crazy. During the height of the pandemic, I realized that we're still in the pandemic. So these concerts that weren't actually happening, tickets were still being sold for like future dates. So I guess one day, maybe she was feeling a little down. So I surprised her with tickets to a concert that had already been canceled in 2020, but rescheduled for 2021, canceled for 2021, rescheduled for 2022. Look what year it is now. Guess who drove to Washington, D.C. on a school night to take his daughter and her friend to a One Direction former band member concert? This guy. Two thumbs. You have them. Um, Are you a One Direction fan? Harry Styles is one of the guys. I'm sure you've heard that name. Oh, so, yeah, then I am definitely. (laughs) I mean, actually, I don't know anybody who's not a Harry Styles fan. This wasn't Harry Styles, though. This was another guy. from. It's kind of like if you go see... I'll make it easy for you. Remember New Kids on the Block? There was like Jordan and Joey and Justin Donnie Timberlake. Wahlberg. No, not no, Don, 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 <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg, Donnie, right? Donnie and Mark. So this was like going to see like the third guy down from Jordan. Those, those ones Wait, are just this. <laughs> Jordan, who was who was like the lead singer? There was Joey was the cute one. Who was was Jordan, right? Jordan Mc, Mc something. Gosh, we're so bad. I don't know, but the dude, uh, all I can say is one time the dude, the band that sang I Want to Sex You Up serenaded me on the telephone. Color me bad. <laughs> yes. That's the band. That's yeah. beautiful. I want to hear that story on another podcast. Did you hear that DTQ was opening a new restaurant? I did. It's a burger place right in <laughs> yes. DTQ's backyard. I love it, don't you? I actually think that burgers and beer is a really smart thing. And they have such intelligent ways of sourcing their meat over there at ZZQ that I think this is just going to be stellar. We spoke to ZZQ about their meat on episode 19 back in October of 2019. My Lord, we've been doing this podcast a long time. We have been doing it for a very long time. Um, Long enough for you to have gone two years with concert tickets. That's true. That's very true. There's also some more new restaurant 
news, new play things that are opening you were telling me about? If Ellen does not come on this podcast, I swear I'm just going to have to eat a cake. That's going to be the whole podcast is me eating a fat rabbit cake. I think Ellen and fat rabbit cakes is the number one person slash business you've mentioned on this podcast without actually the person appearing on the podcast. Well, have you had one of her cakes? It's just really, it's, it's devastating how good it is. Listener, if you could see Ruby right now, she is climbing on her furniture. She's so Banging excited. on it because the cakes are that good. She was so excited. So what's the deal? How come Ellen has not appeared on our podcast? Well, I mean, she's busy. She's opening a new restaurant, bakery. Is it a restaurant or a bakery? Um, I think bakery is what it's going to be. Um, I just hate the word takery because that's like, dis- why, why do that? So she's opening a bakery in the old Pomona plant, which is, you know, just uh, rounding out how great Churchill is. I love now Churchill. You can get a flaky croissant from Sabrosa and then a beautiful caramel chocolate exquisite cake from Fat Rabbit. And a Bobo biscuit. Did you see Bobo's making biscuits uh, for brunch at Alewife? Yes, that, 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 that excellent, dude. I bet you those biscuits are delicious. Did he bring them over to your house with beer for your uh, bromance? How come he's not coming over for Valentine's Day? I think he has his own, uh, he has his own uh, life and wife that he has to love on that night. I don't, I'm not sure I'm part of the equation there. But Bobo's number one bromance partner, my brother Eric, went to Salt and Forge this weekend for their grand closing. I think he bought multiple biscuits with which he's going to freeze many of them. So he'll be eating Salt and Forge biscuits for the rest of the year, I think. Wow, that's a great, a he good idea. Ahead. He thinks ahead. This, this guy's smart. Um, yep. You know what? You know who else thinks of heads? Courtney Maley. She started grafting apples long before even starting the cidery. And you want to hear what she has to say about that? I would love to. So Scott, this is like the tale as old as apples. I go, you go to CiderCon once and you think to yourself, I need to know more about cider and apples so of course i'm like well how to do that bring courtney maley of blue bee cider on the podcast so she can tell me more about russets and apples and all of those great things and then we also have kel ward who is her cider maker with us so we have all the apple things today scott you didn't learn enough during CiderCon. you had to keep on learning can i tell you right now they even made these cute little uh infographics with all of these cool cider things on it and i still have like not even scratched the surface there are like forty thousand apples i'm excited to learn let's get on <laughs> great <laughs> hi ladies how are you all good how are you good 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 so let's talk apples courtney we'll start with you um you've been in the game for almost 10 years now yeah so in 2010 i quit my day job and went to cider school. And after cider school, started apprenticing at Albemarle Cider Works in Charlottesville and did that for a year. And then between Christmas and New Year's, I wrote a business plan. And then in January, found my magic funder. So it was just like, bam, bam, bam. I need a magic funder, by the way. (laughs) Where did we get those? Well, it's all about finding the right match. You know, not all money is the same and they have different terms and expectations and requirements. And um, eventually that funder or funding source wasn't a good match and we were able to refinance into something that worked a little bit better. But just the fact that I was funded within a month of looking, actually within two weeks of looking, it was very... Um, unexpected and fast moving. It was pretty much a sprint, a marathon of sprints for years. (laughs) And then we finally um, were able to move from Manchester to Scott's edition. And that was more sprints and building a team that had the maturity and the knowledge to keep it progressing and growing. So yeah, our business, well, our business, my business is 10 years old, um, going on 11. I, I dropped out of business school in order to learn how to run a business. And I do think that it was 
a good investment of the funds from the tuition because nothing really prepares you for the constant decision-making. It's just lots of decisions. So like really and truly what makes somebody say, okay, I'd like to get into apples. Like, how does that happen? Was there a light bulb? Did you eat one and say, this would make great juice? Like, how does that go? Well, I wanted to go into the wine industry. That was my goal. And I have an uncle who was a winemaker in Washington state for a long time. He had a great career in wine out there. And just talking to him about fruit and having a reliable source of high quality fruit is really critical for having a, a value-added agricultural business. And apples is one of the things that Virginia has consistently done well for generations. So even though at the time cider was not what it is now in terms of industry size, just the sheer fact that we're in a sweet spot for growing particularly sweet apples, no pun intended, um, the sunny days create more sugar in the fruit, which ultimately translates into more alcohol. And I don't know if you noticed at the conference, there was a Midwest cider maker who stood up and said, what did you do to get the ABV up on this? And the Southern cider makers are like, we don't do it. It's the sun. <laughs> the sun is what does the work. So that's one of the distinguishing features of Southern cider is the high sugar content. I found a quote that you said in a, a previous interview, and you said, I've always loved the culture of the apple in the places yeah. that grow them. What exactly does that mean? Well, it's, Cal, this was your first cider con. Um, I don't know if you experienced anything. So I'm kind of in it now, and sometimes I forget just how wonderful it was when I first encountered the, the spirit of, the cider industry and the apple growing industry, but I ran into a food scientist from New England at this conference last week. And she said, I've been working for a brewing company all this time and I want out, I wanna join the cider industry. Everyone here is so kind, so polite, so passionate and such a believer in what they're doing. And I think that's part of the modern culture of the apple, but apples were the candy bars of their day. I and mean, there were not a lot of sources of sweetness in the world, or at least in the new world for centuries. So um, these were the caretakers of the sweetness in life. And it's just a beautiful thing. They're beautiful people, very generous. No one holds back on their knowledge. They wanna build and grow the industry. I thought that was really cool about it um, is everybody was like, ask me all the questions. I'll tell you all the things. And I just thought that was really neat. Um, Kel, how did you get into apples? Um, so I have been in the restaurant industry for over 10 years. And then I actually was linked up through Bluebee with a front of house position. And I was here for maybe two weeks. And uh, so when I was a new hire, I um, hopped on one of these tours to observe and learn, kind of get like a crash course on the company. Um, and while I was on this tour, um, the customer asked how many people are in production. They said, right now, just one, um, but we're looking for another. And I kind of was standing there being like, wow, I've always wanted to merge into the more creative process. And this kind of felt like a golden opportunity for me. I have loved cider since I was able to start drinking alcohol. I, uh, I am one of those folks who are gluten-free. While I appreciate beer making, I can't participate. So um, wine and cider were really more what I was interested in. And when I was younger, I definitely was um, kind of dipped my toe into the more commercial stuff that you find like in the grocery store. Um, but then when I got older, I started to realize that there are all of these independent places that are doing very interesting, unique things. So being able to be a part of that process in any capacity interested me. And then once I found out I was uh, a contender for the back of house position, it kind of was like a magical um, 
opportunity for me. So in your opinion, being that you started in the commercial, like grocery store types of ciders, and now you've moved to, let's just call it more of a bespoke, better for the environment cider. What would you say the big differences are for individuals that are currently drinking grocery store? Why are you drinking grocery store cider people, but currently drinking grocery store ciders? One of the biggest differences is honestly sugar content. The way that we make cider here um, is sort of in the style of wine making. So uh, most things we ferment all the way to dry. Even though you have sweetness from the apple, it's it's more about showcasing different apples. It's about showcasing the different like flavor profiles. Whereas the um, more commercial stuff can be recipes, you know, where they um, it's not just the apple. Which um, places like us, which we're focused on the fruit, it's it's about the apple. Roby, do you remember your first experience with cider growing up, alcoholic cider? Was it a big thing in college when you were? I went to Virginia Tech. There was a lot of apples around, very little cider. So, (laughs) you know, we're the same age. When I was in school and I was not old enough to go to the bars, Woodchuck cider was like the thing that the freshmen drank in the dorms. And that was definitely a sugar bomb. And so when I grew up and started going to cideries in Virginia, the experience was just so much different than what I was expecting. It took a lot of getting used to. And to be quite frank, I'm not sure if I'm really used to it yet. So my question to you guys is, as a not very experienced cider drinker, what should I expect coming to a place like Blue Bee? What should I be looking for in my tastings? And how have things changed since you started, Courtney, to, to where we are now? That's only three questions, guys. It's okay. <laughs> I, have, I have to get them in. I have to get them in when I can. Yeah. So th- thanks. Thanks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it begins with knowing what you like. So I'm not necessarily here to make you taste things that I know you won't enjoy. But based, what do you like, Scott? What's your beverage of choice? Bourbon. Bourbon. Okay. So we make some um, some spirits infused ciders. So sometimes that infusion comes from a barrel, like the Crab Franc that we have on tap right now. So that is, it's a wine cider hybrid, which is a story in and of itself. But we had our first harvest of Crab Franc grapes and there weren't enough to there wasn't enough wine to fill the brandy barrel that we had. So we topped it off with some Hughes crab cider. So it's a cider wine blend, but the apple brandy um, barrel came from Catoctin Creek and we have a brandy making partnership with them. So we make the cider, they distill it into brandy and we split the batch. They use their half to make quarter branch, which is available at your local ABC store. And then we use our half to create ports. And one of those ports is called Harvest Ration. So we age that brandy in little tiny barrels so they pick up flavor a little bit quicker. And then we use that to fortify an ice cider. Um, So you do get the spirits from that product. So anytime we have a product that has a spirits component, I would direct you to that. And if you don't like that, then we'll start back at the beginning with our gateway ciders, which are more like what people expect and then move them into more challenging things. But it, it all it's a conversation with the customer to know your point of reference. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, to, to, to kind of piggyback off of uh, what Courtney said and answer your question, Scott, is that like, um, I think one of the cool things about um, a cidery like Bluey is that we do offer a range of products that um, might surprise you when you think about cider. So there, we do focus on different apples. We do single varietals where we're focused on just one specific kind of apple. Um, so that is kind of like when you start really getting into cider sort of the same way if you're really into wine and you like the differences between the different grapes. Um, but also we'll play around and do things like Courtney was saying, like barrel aging. Um, so you'll get like notes of whiskey in a product that has been aged in a whiskey barrel. There's like a, a wide range of different 
um, experiences insider. What do you find is the biggest misconception by individuals that do like wine and beer that roll into Blue Bee and they're like, hey, um, I don't, I don't know anything about cider, but I know that I don't like it, which I sure happens often. Yes, it does. It does happen. Um, and I think the number one perception is that it's very sweet and it's very fruity. And while we do have some semi-sweet ciders that are fruit forward, it's still not going to be nearly as sweet or as fruity as a mass produced cider or a session cider. Um, it's not going to be watered down, so the ABV will still be a bit elevated, and our pours are a bit short of a pint because that would be dangerous. You know, we're not here to hurt people. It Sometimes, sometimes we can't get them to even try it. They're just like, I'm here with a friend, and I'm not here to partake, and we try and slip them something to try and win them over, but sometimes they just have to watch the other person have all the fun. Um, and we still will engage in that conversation. Like, what do you like? So if they like a funky sour, we have something that's sour. We have some things that are very funky and those types of experiences that we like, oh, this isn't what I expected, or this cider tastes meaty, right? It does taste meaty. This one tastes like horse sweat and it's supposed to, this is not a flaw. This is the tannin of the apple shining through. Did you say horse sweat? Yes, horse sweat. <laughs> leather. Leather. Okay. That sounds a little better than horse sweat. Okay, leather. Got it. Yeah, I think that um, the folks who work in our tasting room kind of view customers who say they don't like cider as a challenge um, because we do have so many different options. Um, we have the cider that's more for like nerds who are all about the apple. Um, but then we also do have these kind of like uh, ciders that might bridge the gap. And so like Courtney asked you, Scott, that question, like, what are you into? That's what we would do if someone came into the cidery and said, you know, I don't know much about cider and what I do know might be, you know, a misconception. We'll start and try and meet you where you are and then uh, introduce cider to you that way. I like anything that's funky. Anything that's funky is, is is good with me. So I love that adjective for for pretty much anything. Music, cheese. So we have one case of Yarlington Mill left in the tasting room. You better hurry up and get your bottle. That's our super funk right now. So what are you guys into? After being in cider for so long, what do you like to drink? Well, I'll go first. Um, I like whatever we're doing new. So there's always something new to explore. And sometimes um, it comes to you, like just in the cellar, things happen and evolve. And other times you can set out with an intention and try and go for that intention and see what happens. We're getting a lot of new fruit in. So um, I've partnered with orchards throughout the state to grow fruit specifically for cider making. And as more of that fruit um, comes in to harvest, where we have more things to try. So there's this one um, orange crab apple. It's orange all the way through skin, flesh, seeds. And we're hopefully someday going to make enough of that that the rest of the world can taste. We made one keg last year. That was like all we were able to get off the tree. But through grafting and cultivation, someday there will be enough that maybe our cider club each gets a bottle. And then maybe the year after that, there's a little bit for the rest of the world. But these things take time. And especially the ones that are in fruit that you've been cultivating and nurturing for years. It's so exciting to finally get that batch that you can share with the rest of the world. Yeah, um, as far as uh, my answer goes, it's kind of similar. Um, that's kind of funny here. We all sort of have a, a joke that um, like the staff favorite is sort of what what's new like right now our newest release is the crab bronc that courtney mentioned it's the um a blend of hughes crab cider with the um the cab franc uh wine aged in a brandy barrel and so it's very layered because there are so many elements 
components to it. Um, and we've even played around with drinking it chilled, drinking it at room temperature. And it's just been able to offer us so many different experiences that that's the obsession right now. So tell me how this whole Apple thing works. Cause I know you have some orchard, an orchard in Manchester um, or a downtown orchard. And then I know that that Virginia is just pretty much, I think, well, I know now from CiderCon that Virginia is covered in orchards. So typically walk, if you're only getting a, a keg of the orange apples, you're having to have massive amounts of apples, right? To get juice. So how do you get those? So the apples, Bluebee has now kind of settled into a, a rhythm with just a handful of growers. So in the early days, I was talking to a lot of different people trying to figure out what works. And the industry is still kind of normalizing in Virginia, but we're starting to develop patterns where the big growers work with the big cideries and the small growers work with small cideries and the medium ones work with the medium sized cideries. So the relationships are starting to sort themselves out where the resources match. And I work with growers who are willing to allow me to have a hand in the horticulture, even if it's small. Um, the Manchester Orchard, I grew a lot of different types of trees that I thought would do well in Richmond and that were good for cider or ciders that I liked. And every spring about this time of year, which is February, um, we collect scions to make new trees. So we do grafts and clones, just like you would with wine on the vines. And I had all of my um, all of my science organized and labeled and ready to go. And then the business was growing kind of faster than I could graft. So lucky for me, Philip Glaze, one of the Glaze brothers, walked into the tasting room on a very rainy Saturday and said, hey, you know, we're packed to the leaves with customers. And he's like, hey, what kind of apples do you want us to grow for you if we decided to do that? And I was like, I'm busy here. Just take this box of science and turn it into an orchard. And that's what they did. So that that box of twigs became about 30 acres of cider orchards and they are learning things. And from those trees, they're making more trees and growing out their cider plantings. So that's been a really fun relationship as we learn together what works and what doesn't work. You know, they're a higher latitude than Richmond. So they get more chill hours and are able to have success with things that we don't necessarily have success with in Richmond. Rich, um, Virginia has a lot of these microclimates. So apples that grow well in one part of the state might suffer and die in other parts of the state and vice versa. It's not necessarily just the ones with more chill hours that are more successful. There are apples that do better down in coastal areas that don't really enjoy being high and dry. One of the things that I love about this, this job that Roby and I have is, is learning more about about you guys, not only as food purveyors and food makers, but also as people. So what, when I show up at Bluebee, what is screaming Courtney at me? What, what is it about your upbringing or what is it about your product that, that I can say, this is, this is a, a Courtney production? That is so, such an interesting and very personal question. Um, so we, I guess- we, We've been talking for 27 minutes. I mean, I figured by now it's like, we're all friends, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess- um, you know, I'm a military brat, so I grew up in the Army, and there was a stretch of time where we lived in Germany, and so even though we're not making European ciders necessarily, some of the ciders that we make would stand up next to um, a cider from the north of Germany, though I'd never really experienced that because we live closer to the south, but the architecture is obviously something that I'm drawn to. It's a familiar feeling to me. And then um, the Hughes crab in particular is a flavor that is more familiar to me. It kind of reminds me of a dry Riesling, which was grown widely in the part of Germany where we lived. So, you know, that I think that little part of my personality is hopefully something that you experience when you walk in. I did major in historic preservation, so I like old things. And um, 
I, I like hosting people. I'm an introvert and it wears me out, but hopefully you feel the love. Like that's something that um, Blue Bee Cider is all about is just caring for people and showing them kindness. And yeah, it's cider, but everyone who works here is a very genuine person. And I hope that everyone gets to experience that. And you, Cal, how did you put your stamp on it? couple of different ways I'd say um that you know it's always great to have different minds um in the creative process I am a queer um person I'm non-binary as well I use uh, she and they pronouns um and so while I am starting to learn this process um I'm also thinking about different concepts that could possibly um, be put out in the future that might represent my part of the community. I think that that is like a really exciting thing that is kind of in the process of um, budding at this moment. So what's next for Blue Bee? Like speaking of your part, Kel, which I really, really love. Thanks so much. Um, tell me what's next. Like currently you're housed in a former horse stable, which that was your next step after being in Manchester, which I'd love to talk a little bit about that history because you had to have found some of the wildest stuff in there when you were doing the renovation. But first, let's talk about what's coming up. Like, where can I get some cider? Is there an event? Um, will there be pink cider for Valentine's Day? Jokes, jokes, but stuff. <laughs> yes, there will be pink cider for Valentine's Day <laughs> and wine. So we're doing a flight that's um, desserts and rosés, so sweeter things and pinker things, which obviously includes the crab franc, which is a nice deep shade of red. Well, no, that one's sort of purpley, and then we have a deeper red wine that we're bringing in from our friends at Rosemont Vineyards. So obviously I have plans and ideas and thoughts for the future, but still a little bit early days. I will definitely call you once we get some partners lined up for um, additional channels for distribution. But for right now, it's just the, the Cidery and Scott's Edition is the primary place. Um, and honestly, I think our, our biggest baby step forward out of the pandemic is returning to events. Um, maybe not like as massive and intense as they were in the past, but we are, returning to somewhat more normal programming in 2022. I think we just abandoned it all together for a time because you would plan and plan and then it would, the pool, the rug would get pulled out from under you. So um, we're going to, we're going to try and move forward. There will still be an elephant in the room called COVID-19, but we're going to work around it and try and move forward. You guys actually did really good with COVID-19. It was one of the first places I went for the outdoor tent slash. It was like your staff was slathering their entire bodies in antibacterial, which probably wasn't good for their skin, but gave me comfort um, for certain. So much rubbing um, alcohol. <laughs> yeah, so it was just like everywhere. First, let's talk about the where you are located and how that lent itself pretty well to tables outside. So tell me about your current location. And then sure. I'd love to talk about how, and well, I'd like to talk about what your thoughts were when COVID happened and, and how you managed to put these steps in place rather quickly. Yeah. So, so I could be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it happened, like everyone else, we just felt like we were on the Loch Ness Monster, but we could never get off the first downslope. It was just like, ah! I was just waiting to get to the bottom so that we could get, like, get jerked up again. And um, when we were allowed to start having customers come into the venue again, we all got tested. So everyone knew their risk and their status. Everyone got tested for antibodies just to know. And it was all evolving so rapidly and so fast. It's like 10 times a day, another decision, another change, another set of decisions, another change. Um, just trying to keep up with it was the primary goal. Like survive was honestly the goal of 2020, but we needed to continue to provide um, places for people 
to experience life. I mean, that's what we're here for, hospitality, goodness, good things in life. And so um, we have a nice courtyard surrounded by four buildings, which created a sense of enclosure and safety, but still very outdoors. And we converted most of our parking spaces into um, divided tables. And we divided those tables with plants, which are natural air cleaners, and um, tried to avoid plastic as much as possible. And it's very spread out. So it's a third of an acre. And I think we only had seating for 50 people. So we've we spread them out pretty good. And it's actually visually pretty appealing. So I don't think we're gonna take take it out. And the parking requirements in Scott's edition changed, which was a good thing. So we're not necessarily required to return those spaces back to parking. We can leave it as outdoor seating for the future. And I definitely wanna continue that and think of other ways to connect the outdoor spaces and the indoor spaces visually with one another. I love your space. I love visiting your space. I love walking by your space. Even before it was your space, I love walking by walking by that building. Tell us what happened when you first saw it, when you were looking to move from Manchester. What was that process well, like when you saw this building? Believe it or not, the first time I saw it was before I put a deposit on the space in Manchester. So the first time I saw it was in 2011. And I told the broker, you're insane. I, this is a disaster. I do not have the capacity to clean up this mess. Um, it was functionally vacant and abandoned for a very long time. And then after moving to Manchester, growing the business to the point where we had some cash flow and some experience, I was, and we had staff, so it wasn't all just me doing all the things. I was ready to look at this property again in a new way. And then once I could see the possibilities and it wasn't beyond imagining, of course, it was amazing. So I, I did a walkthrough with the broker and the city uh, representative because the city owned the property at the time. And it was a good omen that we found kittens being born in the area that's now the salon. So all of these kittens that today are the alley cats that <laughs> they didn't go very far. Like we see their evidence. And sometimes at night they like, they'll crawl through the gates. So the babies are still around. And I just took it as a good omen that this is a place for the future. Your whole space is really lends itself to like very excellent, um, entertaining, all that great stuff. And then you added cheese to your space. Yes. You were like, apples are delicious. Now I need some cheese. <laughs> Tell me about, I mean, which I think is brilliant, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. So how did that come about? I'm, it's, I can't think of anything better. So I, you're oh, clearly you. so brilliant. <laughs> but did you guys just meet Maggie and say, I love you. Come bring your Gouda. <laughs> well, we had this space that was underutilized. And we needed, we needed more food options more regularly. And food trucks were just not quite the right match for us long-term. So Maggie was doing her pop-ups around town and she had come to talk to me once or twice about what is all of this food business startup like. And we had chatted. And as it started to come together in my mind, I reached out to her more seriously. I was like, hey, come on over. I want to talk to you. And she came over. Actually, I think she was doing one of her cheese pickups in our tasting room. And I was like, come here, come look at this room. And she's like, yeah. And I said, do you think this could be a cheese shop? And she was like, I need to think about this because a, a brick and mortar is a big first step and switching from wholesale to retail is a big step. And she was, she was ready to give it a try. So Chuckle Cheesemongers is a separate business, but housed at Bluey Cider here um, at the, we call it the Summit Stables Complex. I met some new people at CiderCon. One of them calls it the Mule Park. <laughs> so maybe we should call it the Mule Park from now on. <laughs> or Sweat Mule Park. Yep, it all comes full circle. <laughs> so, so I wanna, 
as I yell. I want to talk apples. I have um. <gasps> You have, have a gold rush. You have a gold rush and a Harrison. No, sorry. No, that's an Ashmead's Colonel. I see him. And can I just tell you, Roby, I brought my gold rush home because we both got apples at the same time. My husband ate it while I was asleep. I was like, oh, I can't believe you took my apple. This is my favorite. <laughs> so we were wandering around CiderCon and literally Courtney says, take this apple. <laughs> and then she says, take this apple. And so I, ha- I have two apples, which I haven't eaten yet because I was going to eat because we have props for the podcast. Nobody can see these apples. But this Gold Rush apple, I'd like, can you tell me about it? And then I want you to tell me about this sexy apple and these sure. little spots on it or yeah. little ridges because that's an important okay. thing in cider making, right? Yeah. So the, the smaller one in your hand is called Ashmead's Kernel. And that's an English cider making apple that made its way over to North America. It's fully russeted, so it looks like it's covered in sandpaper. And russeting is one of the features of an apple that is a clue that it might be good for cider. Um, Once you cut it and it starts to turn brown really fast, that's another clue that it might be good for cider making because that browning is actually tannin oxidizing. So the deeper the brown and the faster it turns, the more I want that apple. I want to try it. And then the other apple in your hand is the Gold Rush. Gold Rush is a modern variety of apple. It was actually developed at Purdue University. And um, its parent is, I think Golden Delicious is one of its parents. And I don't know what that was crossed with. But Gold Rush is actually one of my favorite apples for eating fresh. It's got the crunch, which modern people are really into the crunchy apples. That didn't used to be a breeding characteristic in the past. So you might find old popular varieties that are a little bit mealy, like maybe the Ashmead's kernel. But now we like to have a good crispy apple. So Gold Rush has that, but it also is just very flavorful and aromatic. Um, One thing about it, though, it has like tiny freckles all over that are little spots of russet. And grocery stores don't dig that. So you don't find it in grocery stores as much as you would if they were just thinking about flavor. Well, I'm so, st- I kept them just because I knew you were talk- going to talk to me today, but we're going to, I'm going to put them in, I bake a little granola uh, oatmeal things some morning. So they're going to go in my oatmeal tomorrow. So delicious. I'm pretty stoked about it. <laughs> How? My, I have one last question, and then I'm going to let you guys go back to what your job is, which is the coolest <laughs> job ever, in my opinion. Um, how many varieties of apples do you think are coming out of the state of Virginia right now? Ugh, I think this... Oh, I'm going to give you the wrong answer. I want it. I'm going to take a guess at maybe 30 to 40. That said, Albemarle Cider Works was growing up to 250 varieties. So going out as an export to other states, I would say it's between 30 to 40, but being grown in the state, it's hundreds. And would you say that the apple growing, this is another question, I lied, I have another question. Would you say (laughs) that Virginia's apple growth um, is bigger from an export situation than the wine industry? Yes, so for Virginia wine grapes, all of those grapes are used in the state, but Virginia cider is uh, making more cider fruit than Virginia cideries are using. So Virginia cider fruit is a net export to other states. Well, all I can say is everybody should be drinking more apple juice, the alcohol, the ABV kind. (laughs) And eating cheese. Oh, oh yes, apples and cheese. Well, you're listening to each other out. Exactly. Fruit juice, cheese, calcium, and vitamins, right? That's the way it works. The healthy diet. (laughs) Perfect. Yep. Your healthy diet is all to be had at Blue Bee Cider. You're listening to Eat It Virginia with Roby, Scott, Kel, and Courtney. Did you stop by to get your pink? Cider this weekend for Valentine's Day at Bluebee? No, I didn't, and I should have because 
I've had that cider. It's good, by the way. That crab franc, it's delicious. You should go taste it. I did do a champagne brunch here in Virginia Beach at the place called The Porch at Long Creek. The Porch at Long Creek. See, I'm not familiar with Virginia Beach hardly at all. So you're going to have to give me like landmarks. Is it on the ocean? Is it near Sandbridge? Like what are we talking about here? It's not near Sandbridge. Um, it's, yeah, it's on the water. It's owned by, and you might know this, at the same people that own Chick's Oyster Bar. It's very attractive. The whole restaurant's very attractive. It's like sushi and seafood snacks, let's just say. The cool thing is this is a champagne brunch that happens on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 3, selling like good bottle champagne for 50% and 25% off. So you can buy a large format bottle, you know, bigger than your regular size. They will wrap it with a sparkler. Fancy. Very fancy. And bring it to your table for less than you would normally pay. And during this whole time, you get to listen to music that really and truly was music from our high school days. So not One Direction. Sadly, no Harry Styles. More like Color Me Bad. That was, more, that was more middle school, I think. Yeah, I'm thinking more like high school. Yeah, yeah. And then also like some 80s stuff, like Jesse's Girl. Gotta love Rick Springfield. You really do. So do you have you pictures? Really do. Of, do, you have, do you have photos and video of this somewhere that I can I can see? Yeah, yeah. I've got pictures of the food. I've got some, we had, we had a, a really, and I've been really missing good sushi lately. I've had real thoughts on sushi in Richmond right now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, we just don't have any good sushi. I wish we did. How can you say don't. that? There's not a single place that you would go for sushi in all of Richmond. Oh, man. Where, where do her, you go? Listen to her the look on her face right now. <laughs> I don't even know how that's a question. You are a co-host of a food podcast, and we write about food all the time. And I would like to ask you, Scott, Yes. what in the, because we've been doing this a while, and I've yes. been writing for you since 2017. Wow. Yes, I know. Have you ever seen me write about a sushi place? I don't think I have. No. Why is that? Because we don't what makes have a any good sushi, good sushi place. What makes a good sushi place? Good sushi. Come on now. What? 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 Like what? What about it? I don't know. The absence of rolls with cream cheese. <laughs> That's a. Anyway, yeah. yeah it's a very specific cream cheese. Yeah. No, I, there's a whole bunch of things that make good sushi. I don't know the ability to get fresh fish. Stuff that doesn't, that isn't tempura. I mean, All right, listener, listener, if you're, I want you to send us some, some messages on social media, perhaps an email to eat it Virginia at eat it Virginia.com. No, Tell no, Roby no. She can get do good sushi in Richmond. WTVR.com. Because no, do not, at, do, do not at me. Don't do be a hater. Telling you, Scott, there's no good sushi in Richmond. I'm glad you're in Virginia Beach right now because otherwise people will be on you like white on rice, sushi rice. This episode of Eat It Virginia, Eat It Virginia. <laughs> this episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> no! Oh God, no!